Hello and welcome to the Court Games LCG Podcast. I am one of your hosts, uh, Trevor Cuba, a.k.a. Kikita Onimaru. Uh, my new co-host, Sar, uh, has had another bout of sickness. He tore his throat. Turns out if you keep soloing, uh, running these events uh, all across the world, it'll just rip your throat to shreds. So as a replacement, I've got my perpetual uh badge of like i'm not a scrub i play against a really good player introduce yourself my my totem spirit animal uh i am max also known as wax mackie or mackie no oni uh i am you know i'm i'm known around the community so you've probably heard of me i, I am clearly famous for being on the ninth kami podcast which holds the badge of honor of having sea bass the owner of this here podcast appear on it before he has appeared on this podcast. Yeah, that's um, it just goes on to a general issue I have going on of like nobody actually knows slash cares what I think because whenever I go online, I if I post an opinion, I have to say, well, I tested it out with Max before anyone gives me any sort of consideration. <laughs> Let's see, you start a podcast, don't even tell me about it. I'm just looking online, like, oh. Max has started a podcast. Okay. And the next thing I look at it, Seabass, who owns and edits this podcast, is like, I could show up with Trevor. But you know what? Screw that guy. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with Max. <laughs> well, we are the correct clan, after all. <laughs> Sar is like, you know what? I think I'd rather rip out my freaking throat than record with Trevor Cuba. This it wasn't week. the tournaments that did it. He was just like, this is a sacrifice I must take. Finbar records with me for less than a year. He's like, you know what? I think I'm done with L5R altogether. <laughs> Everyone hates me, Max. What have, what have, what have you understand. been up to? <laughs> as, I, as I cry in this corner. Uh, well, I haven't been up to much lately. With Between all the harsh weather and everything, I haven't, uh, I haven't done a ton of L5R lately because it turns out going outside can be risky for your health at this time of year. Um, yeah, and I, I'm not one much for playing online, but I've done plenty of theory crafting of decks in this new and unknown metagame. That is pretty annoying for specifically me and you because we do have our weekly Wednesday games where we do a lot of our testing, and we have not been able to really crack into clan wars outside from the stuff that we like quasi um, proxied a little bit earlier, but we haven't had like a full shakedown of clan war. So we're going in blind uh, pretty soon, aren't we? Yeah, we've got a tournament uh, next week that we are basically both riding on zero practice for. So oh. I expect everything to go swimmingly. Oh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so all of our opinions <laughs> are like super up to date as we go ahead and we start commenting on other events. Speaking of other yeah. events, uh, so upcoming uh, uh, tie we have coming up is uh, we have Adepticon in March 25th through the 30th. L5R is not going to go through the 25th through the 30th, but that's what Yeti Games has blocked out Adepticon for those series events. Uh, it's going to be in Schaumburg, Illinois. And then in April, we have a Kotai on the USS Hornet uh, on the 24th through the 27th. Uh, that is going to be in Alameda, California. Yeah. Now, pretty, pretty cool event there. The fact that it's taking place on this boat. It's you know, a ship. It's kind of a... As, as a sailor, I have to correct you. It is not a boat. It is a ship. <laughs> okay. 
It's pretty cool that they're having an event take place on this dinghy. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> taking place on this Essex-class aircraft carrier that saw use during World War II. Uh, I should know what Essex-class is. And so... I've like, actually forgotten I, all of my Navy, like, I can't even remember what port and starboard is. I, like, am so bad with my Navy terminology, <laughs> people think I'm lying all the time. <laughs> like, you don't even know basic information about how a ship operates. Like, yeah, yeah. I just sat in a cold room and watched things break all day for five years. It Makes was dope. Sense. What else would you want to do while you're in the Navy? <laughs> but if I, if I ever... But that, Go for it. It should be very cool because, uh, you know, you get to witness this little bit of history i know there probably aren't a ton of people who are actually like yeah navy ships are really cool let's go check out a navy ship but i i'm actually somebody who has some interest in that it's just california is probably a little bit outside the reach of where we can get to reasonably for a kotai yeah as i said because i've got i've got a navy history i was thinking about like maybe we could make that journey and stuff but it's you know california is very far from michigan yeah, if we were going to make a trip out west from here, we'd probably want to look at, like, Seattle Grand Kotai or something later in the year. Mm. But, but we are we do have knows? plans on going to Adepticon, which I still need to register for. Or I'm we do. Registered for? I, I am registered. I've got the Switch. Uh, yeah, we are actually. <laughs> we're getting list. quite a group of Michigan people to go out to Adepticon. That is pretty exciting. Um, just because, so we have the situation where I just mentioned where people know you from winning tournaments and they know me mm -hmm. because I'm just like, won't shut up on the internet. Um, we have a pretty good competitive play group that nobody knows about because they generally can't make it out to these events very often. And yeah. I'm really interested to see these guys go out, uh, see how well they can do. And it also begs the question of like, I wonder how many, uh, who else all has like, these like secret really competitive play groups that just by circumstance of how co-ties are arranged or life circumstances can't make it out to these events like how many killers do we actually have floating around in the world yeah it'll be very interesting to see yeah we could see a few more of them get some representation though as we get like these store champ events and smaller type events that are more accessible for local players I like it, like your segueing skills, sir. Clearly, your podcasting skills have improved. <laughs> uh, you're right. Store championships. We are having a store championship uh, over here in our neck of the woods. So in uh, Pandemonium Games and Hobby, which is in um, Garden, Garden City. City. I was going to say Glass City. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> Garden City, uh, Michigan, which is basically in the Detroit area. Uh, we're going to have a store championship on uh, next month, uh, March 14th. Yep. So if you're That's within striking distance of that, come, come battle one Makino Oni and his stooge, Trevor Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> Fight for the title. Come and prove that you are the best player in Michigan and its surrounding areas. Like, the only Get reason cool I've prizes. got my, my sweet uh, acrylic dial is from that one event you did not go to. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, but, yeah, come out, have fun. Uh, I know of at least a couple people who are coming from a little bit further away to come out already. 
So yeah, there's uh there's a, this these uh, store championships are functionally replacing what were regionals last year, so they should be pretty healthy environment. So uh, come on out, we're gonna talk to some people about maybe streaming some games, and I'm gonna look into uh, spicing up the prize support. Don't quote me on this one. You know, I'm a very poor man, <laughs> but if I can work something out, we'll see. Yeah, and uh, come get your favorite unicorn attached dash. They specialize in those, you know, full art attached dashes. And also misprinted prizes. And also, <laughs> pr some prizes are banned. <laughs> yes. It wouldn't uh, be an L5R game if there weren't misprinted prizes, okay? Let's see. Uh, going on to the news, let's talk about... We've had uh, two co-ties here. Again, um, one of the reasons this podcast is slightly delayed is because Sar wanted to have a much more elaborate deep dive into the events that he just recently judged. He was down in Las Vegas for the Las Vegas Open. He judged that one single-handedly, but he much ran the entire event by himself, which... It probably wasn't great for his health. And then a couple weeks later, he did this, almost the same thing over at Fort Worth, Texas for the co-tie down there. So, yeah, Sar is like on life support right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's see. Uh, Elvio, uh, that one, uh, that was all kind of old news that we're talking about it now and stuff. But just to recap, uh, we saw Dan Mui, Handsome Dan, winning it with this Lion Tower deck. Um... Max, me and you have had, uh, mostly me, anyone who's followed me online for like the last month or so has been, you know, I've been going off about these tower decks. Like, I don't understand how people are having a hard time with it and stuff, which sounds like, listen, I'm not that great of a player. I, I'm really not. But I see a lot of these top end players talking about this matchup that I'm finding incredibly easy. Uh, and the reason I'm finding this easy is actually your fault because I've been fighting against uh, Crab Towers for so long that I'm very, very tuned into a tower matchup. Uh, so how do you feel what these towers are right now? So the main thing the towers do right now is they can just put a lot of pressure. But if you can deal with that pressure and hit their important attachments, because realistically, you see like, pictures like look at this thing that has 16 attachments on it it's like cool if you just hit the fan of commands that character doesn't do anything um and so it it's an interesting thing people just aren't used to dealing with that type of stuff because it is a little bit different than crab tower right because realistically if you take a look at dan's list uh most of the attachments are just stats yep and that that's fine but like crab towers actually did stuff they killed your characters they had watch commanders to pressure you to lose the game and so it, there's a difference in what they were and yeah trevor does have a ton of experience playing against tower uh week after week after week and so it's just it's kind of a mindset change where you just have to play against it correctly where either you have to try to outlast the tower, because Lion has no way to keep him alive, or get a big guy yourself and just try to keep their tower bowed. And sometimes if they get straightens off on their tower with stuff like in service to my lord, then, you know, they do. They have to break four provinces, you know? Let them have a province. So don't defend everything. Don't throw your characters in just because. Their character's real big. 
Yeah, I'm finding these these towers are very threatening, but without Watch Commander and without like an infinite number of saves, like there's no Iron Mines, there's no uh, Vanguard Warrior, uh, there's no Reprieve. Um, I am not having the trouble that a lot of people were having with things that are. And I, I should be noted that this is specifically a crane versus tower matchup because crane has a lot of tools to deal with this i've got you know well, i'm splashing from dragon three let goes uh three policy debates which are functionally uh attachment removal in this thing uh three tea houses which i could just pick any attachment i want off of him samia mystics and that's pretty much it and i think gossip takes care of the rest situationally <laughs> yeah like and while it's just you are a crane only solution it's not like Things exist in other clans for it, and sometimes you just sigh as you build your deck, and you put three Letgo and two Tattooed Wanderer in. Yeah, but you know, there is something. Uh, uh, one thing I do do too is I use a lot of bow tech, and there's something to be said like, oh, you can't bow because it's going to straighten. You can against any of these towers. You can actually overload their resources. So even if you don't like negate all of them, you are drastically reducing the amount of things they can threaten because if i have three four shames and a steward of law and i buy you twice and you still have like a third stand up that's great you're standing up in this conflict but that's like three other two or three other conflicts i've functionally taken you out of that's a win in my book yeah uh the other thing for it is you could look at you know you want a card that'll really beat up tower decks that doesn't see a lot of splash but that these tower decks have no good way to deal with calling in favors. You take their adorned Barcha and just laugh. Like you take <laughs> their fan of commands. You just go, look at me. I'm the tower deck now. And like, they have no way to fight back. There isn't a single attachment control in this 75 cards. Mm -hmm. You know, I, okay. There's me a mystic, but like they don't want to, if they're using that on their own attachments, you're doing well, right? Like, there are ways to combat this. It's just sometimes if if it's giving you a problem, you have to adjust your deck to the meta. Absolutely. Uh, don't want to harp on this too much and stuff, especially yeah. since the all the elite players are very certain that I'm crazy. <laughs> crazy like a fox. But uh, well, I they're, will they're not wrong, but... Yeah. Uh, there's one thing you're I want to say. about this. I will say that... Um, Phantom Command is the mo one of the, the most important, but it's the second most important. The actual culprit uh, is always Spyglass. And I learned that a long time ago because it doesn't matter what else you do. If you don't take care of those Spyglasses, they're going to create like an infinite, like I've got had games against you where I have completely dominated the upper hand, but because of the Spyglasses, you're just throwing like trash cards at me like your Gambit and you just eke out a win anyway, just by sheer volume of card advantage. So... Without a doubt, number one, destroy the spy glasses. Like, discard them, steal them, whatever you need to do. Then you start working on the rest of the things. I am here to say with 100% certainty that Spyglass did nothing wrong. Take it off the restricted list, FFG. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Cast it into the flames! <laughs> Hashtag free Spyglass. Yeah. 
But yeah, uh, all the same, congratulations to Dan Moody. This is supposed to be about LVO, not me ranting about Towers again. Uh, but uh, congratulations to Dan for winning the Las Vegas Open. Um, kind of a low attendance number. We had uh, 34 players. That's okay-ish. Uh, but despite my recent complainings about Lion not doing too great, Lion, you know, with this, on the back of this tower mostly, uh, it's been on the upswing. So good for them in that. Moving yeah. over, we've got the I've got two tabs for the Las Vegas Open. What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got the Kotai, first Kotai of the year at Fort Worth, Texas. Actually, second yep. second Kotai of this season, but first one of the year because we had a uh, Pax Unplugged uh, yes. uh, at the end of last year. Uh, who won the? So I don't know if you've ever seen this before, Max Williams. Uh, there was a crab versus scorpion finals. <laughs> I think that may be the first time that's happened in the history of this game. <laughs> uh, I, I question your memory on that one. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we have uh, Anil and Frotop, you know, two uh, classic winners from the J-Throne podcast. They were able to take the top two spots over there. Uh, Chris Podorf uh, piloting Scorpion after just decrying how Scorpion wasn't that great in the current meta uh, just under a month ago. <laughs> now pilots it to the win. Uh, he assures everyone that he did, he 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 he's not trying to lie to people. He legitimately thought it was bad and was surprised how well he did. Um, Anil, uh, who's you know widely regarded to be the, one of the best players in the game, if not the best, piloting Krabbits, he's pretty. Uh, certain that that's the best deck over even though he got second place which is still crazy respectable um got second place with that one as a crab how are we liking crabbits explain crabbits to me so crabbits is a swarm crab deck that i'm sure most people are familiar with at this point that works off of trying to generate just huge amounts of characters on the board each and every turn and just going, deal with all this stuff, I bet you can't. Um, trying to save up a little bit of fate to slowly invest in a couple larger characters like Witch Hunter and Sensei that help crank up the pressure even more. And just eventually wear the opponent down, force them to invest poorly in characters and just lose over time. And using things like Way of the Crab to generate you know, board advantage off of here's my little dinky idiot gallant quartermaster that'll generate me fate when it dies and you lose a real character. You know, funeral pyres to generate card advantage and just slowly overwhelm the opponent with all that. Um, and by slowly, I mean rather quickly, typically. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it snowballs rather fast. But that, well, that has been my experience versus the deck. It's can I deal with a uh, way of the crab? If yes, I can manage the deck if no, basically lose on the spot. Yeah. Um, so it, while it is not my preferred style of crab, uh, I it is a, a lot of fun. Yeah, you do um, like the tower dirtle, don't you? I do. <laughs> uh, so one interesting thing to note about the Fort Worth Kotai, there was a dragon who made it to top four playing High House of Light. Yeah, what's up with that? So, he made it to top four out of top 16 without playing a game. Huh. Uh, full respect to him for making it to the top 16 cut. 
However, his round of 16 opponent, Joey Goldstein, didn't think he would make day two and had only booked a hotel for that one night and flew out the morning of day two, thus giving him a round one bye. His top eight opponent, Alexander Leong, made the classic mistake of losing to deck check. Okay, I've heard rumors of this. I haven't heard the full story of all this stuff, though. Okay. And uh, thus losing himself a spot in the tournament and giving Antonio Kitrell a bye, where he promptly got stomped by Anil Seathram in the top eight, or top four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but congratulations to him making it that far with High House of Light. Sometimes you you take the free wins, right? <laughs> So if you want to win with Dragon these days, what you go around is you start talking people just screwing up their deck lists yeah. <laughs> and sabotaging the hotel rooms. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to Will Harrison for making it to top eight. He is a uh, Michigan player, a Lion Hatamoto, who uh, flew all the way down to Texas and made it pretty far. Where's uh, Will at? Is he going to come down to our event? I hope so. We should message him. We should. We are so bad at talking to people. <laughs> yeah. I saw his name there when I was looking at the standings. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't like, even know he was going. It's like, hey, Should've I know that know. guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, those are the, uh, yeah, the this most... was another meta that had a lot of scorpion uh, in the top cut. Phoenix, dragon, crab, uh, some lion and unicorn towers. So it's actually pretty diverse. There's only one. Uh, there are two dragons, in fact, made it to top eight. So, yeah, for both these, the LVO and the Fort Worth, these are like little pocket metas where this is after the most recent major rules update. However, it is before Clan War. Because I think Clan War came out right about the same time as Fort Worth. So it was not legal for that event whatsoever. Correct. So, so Clan War is going to uh, at least somewhat shake up the meta entirely. Uh, so let's take a look at some of these cards. Now, uh, as a caveat, as me and Max were just saying, we have not, uh, like, I've looked at some crane cards. He's looked at some crab cards. We haven't gotten too deep into this. And also, we are very focused on the single-player version of the game. Uh, we've played a bit of multiplayer, but I don't really have a mindset to it. So we're just going to go, for the sake of brevity, we're going to look at some cards that we think are interesting for in the, you know, traditional 1v1 style matchup. Uh, so I do recommend people go and look at some of the cards, especially people who are interested in the multiplayer format, because just because I don't mention some cards in the faction doesn't mean like these cards get actually very good in a multiplayer scenario. I'm just not, I, I honestly don't think I'm qualified in any way to say what is good. And it's also a, a very nascent archetype i don't think anyone's very qualified to say yeah. what is good or what is bad in multiplayer i will say this one anecdote one time me max and uh jordan hardcastle one of the uh georges who usually judges these events we all sat it down to multiplayer and me and jordan just looked at mr multi hotamoto over here and just like let's just jump this mother <laughs> <laughs> max did not make it out of the first round nope. of that game <laughs> I told you not to attack him. Walked right into his planes. <laughs> sure did. Trevor was like, nah, 
Scrubs play Endless Plains, and he looked at Jordan, he's like, you just might be a scrub. And I was like, nah, nah, nah. Boom, Endless Plains lost the big character. I was like, all right. <laughs> that, that is legit. It saved me in tournaments, because if I have, like, at many tournaments, I'll have, like, a poor opening, and then I'll, like, have a comeback streak. And when I'm sitting out there at the, at the low end of the tables, and I'm up against a unicorn, I just look at my opponent, and I'm like, listen... You're a, you're a unicorn and you've fallen this far behind. That means you, I bet you make some questionable deck choices. I bet you anything you're playing Endless Plains. And I swear, like, that saved me multiple times of, I was going to attack. You know what? I'm not going to attack you with my Yoshi with three fate on it. And then sure enough, next round when I poke it with a little guy, yep, Endless, endless Plains right there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, let's see. Clan War. First, we're going to look at the Dynasty side, and then we're going to look at the Fate cards on there. Uh, we're going to ignore all of the uh, provinces. We, Me and Sar looked at the some of the provinces earlier, and they're all basically variations of that thing. Um, and then there's these neutral ones that like get stronger if you have one claimed. Um, spoilers, those neutral ones not very good. I don't even think... I could safely say in a multiplayer setting, I don't think those are very good regardless the clan yeah, ones so go for it the one thing about them for multiplayer that might be the one format where province strength matters because you you have to keep the rings on your provinces them getting broken matters mm. but I, I, don't, I don't think they're good like i am intrigued of like these four costs or these four strength provinces that get plus two because in normal games we don't really care about having a high province strength that much because we're trying to avoid being farmed it's like if you're gonna win i'd rather you just break the province so we can move on rather than you just keep plinking me here and there and stuff in multiplayer since these provinces can go down so fast i do wonder if having high province strength is more valuable in that format but again yeah. we have no idea yep what we do know Only is uh, we we know some uh, single player cards, and first up is Crab. If only I had a Crab expert here to tell me what is interesting. Dynasty sided Crab. Well, you hmm. see, Cooney Silencer <laughs> is is awful. Um, How can Cooney Silencer be a, a be a bad card? He's got a, sw a sweet kick he's giving to a guy. What's up sure with all does. the Crab art having like sweet kung fu kicks going on in their art this cycle? Uh, well, you see, the crab are the masters of kung fu fighting. Um, as you can see by the blurs going on behind him, he is fast as lightning. <laughs> All right, so crab have inherited kung fu, and the dragon have inherited geese? Is that what we're yes. doing? Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> Clan Wars was uh, weird. <laughs> but, uh, the one card that gets snap put into every Krabbit's deck is one of the forgotten. Okay. Uh, Two cost for four military is very large, um, especially if you can get that taken down to one cost with those who serve. I think anybody here would pay, in the entire game, would pay one cost for four military. Hmm. And that's just insane. So and full... while you can't put any fate on it, go ahead. I was going to say, full stats for everyone who's listening. So it's uh, two fate, uh, four military, zero political, zero glory, bushy berserker. That's a, a, a key keyword. 
Uh, you cannot place fate on this character when it's played from your provinces. Reaction. After an opponent passes on declaring a conflict, if that opponent controls any ready characters, put one fate on this character. Uh, that ability specifically, I was going to ignore this card because like the ability is only really valuable in multiplayer. But uh, you do bring up a good point of it being a cheap, big berserker for Kravitz. Yeah. Um, I think the ability... Act can actually trigger, and it's because of uh, blah 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 the style of deck that Kravitz is, and that is hard aggro. Mm. And if it's threatening to break your provinces really quickly, you don't necessarily want to attack because they'll just continue swinging. So you might take the pass to defend, at which point my one cost four military gets another turn of life. And it's kind of it can put you in that hard decision. I don't think it'll happen a ton, but when it does, the card is really insane. Okay, I could definitely see it. Uh, what are you gaining from Berserker? I know there's some, like, uh, secret cards in the crab uh, arsenal that's just waiting for decent Berserkers to hit the field. So, as of right now, probably not much, but a card that is actually really strong when it hits play is Wicked Tetsubo, and that requires Berserker. Uh, Wicked Tetsubo, for those of you who don't know, and I wouldn't blame you, is a two-cost weapon that gives plus one, plus one. Or is it plus one? Yeah, I believe it's plus one, plus one. Oh, we but... could look this thing up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, plus one, plus one, attaches only to a Berserker, and it's restricted. Action during a conflict in which attached character is attacking, choose a defending character, and then set either their political or their military to zero until the end of the conflict. So, it's just such a huge force swing that having Berserkers around to be able to possibly play it is quite big. Um, and while it probably doesn't make its way into Kravitz simply because there aren't a ton of things for attachment control to go on, so it just gets snapped, let goed. Um, if we see a Berserker deck down the line that transitions a little bit more back into the Crab Tower archetype, uh, it could, it's, it's an insane card there. Mm. So okay. we'll have to see about that. Um, that's really the only Berserker card really running around at all right now, but you never know. Every time they print a Berserker, the entire crab chat goes, well, what about Berserkers? We're going to see Berserker support? <laughs> when are we getting Berserker support, FFG? Oh, I've so, been there. <laughs> uh, and the other the other crab card I want to mention, and I want to okay. get your opinion on it, is a Roadside Inn. Okay. Roadside Inn is a zero province strength holding after the fate phase begin, choose a character. Each opponent may give you an honor and choose a character. Each player who chose a character puts one fate from their fate pool onto the chosen character. It's really, really fixed Iron Mine. Yeah, well, it's not Iron Mine because Iron Mine saves you from a kill effect, which we're seeing a lot more kill effects in the game. This is, you know, a fixed uh, Vanguard Warrior, but it also works for your opponent. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just 50, comparing 50. it to Iron Mine because it's a holding. Yeah. Uh, I'm 50-50 on it. I mean, as a holding, like, it's got a lot of play in Crab. Um, getting, you know, there's always the, the hey, here's Casada with four freaking fate, right? And then it's like you're never going to see him again. Um, it does that, but it's also, like, Crab is also doing all these effects so much that I don't think it's required. Um, yeah. 
just because you know, you've already got your vanguard worries, you've already got your reprieves, you already got your things. Like the only thing worse than uh, Casada with four fate is Casada with zero fate. It doesn't matter because the rest of his deck's gonna keep him alive. Yep. So um, yeah, I I think that right now it's really bad, but I also think it's possible it was designed when they still believed rotation was coming this year. That's a possibility. I could see that coming. Once you get some of the other stuff out of there, I think it becomes a very reasonable uh, alternative to what you already have available. Yeah, and if I still have like Jade Tetsubo and such in my deck, then you getting the fate like isn't mm -hmm. as impactful. Like, do I think the the ability is good? I think the ability is great. If I saw this as a dragon card, I think this would be an amazing dragon card. But it's a, unfortunately, it's crab as an, a, a deck that's already doing this effect several other ways. So it's yeah. just and more it's, the same. And it, it's, it's kind of interesting. So you look at it, you're like, oh, well, the opponent also gets to save a character, except, like, Watch Commander exists... Honor is a real resource you have to consider against Crab, and you do have to pay me Honor to do it. Yeah. So paying Honor, and also as you mentioned, like the this uh, the Watch Commander is also the Spyglasses. It's the more you can, it's not keeping the character alive; it's keeping those attachments alive and getting recurring value from them every round. That's the the real killer there. Uh, yeah. But as I said, it's just doing things that we're already doing stuff. I would also love to see the mind game where your opponent like sets up to be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna trigger this roadside in and keep my character." I'm just like, "I'm not triggering its reaction," because mm -hmm. nothing makes me do it. I don't have to use its ability. Yep, that's true. Uh, we're, I'm gonna get to uh, later on as things that you do not have to. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you do not have to participate in, uh, but that's gonna be a later crane uh discussion. More immediately yep. is the crane uh, um, dynasty that I want to look at. Let's see, first, there's some cards that I think actually have some viability here. I don't think any of these things right now are actually worth putting into play, but they're just useful enough that I could see some niche uses for. Uh, first off is Chancellor's Aid one cost, one military, one political, one glory, courtier, imperial. Interrupt. When this character leaves play, choose a player. Each opponent may give you one hour to choose a, a player. Each chosen player discards one card from their hand. Uh, Crane have a weird little hand destruction theme going on. Hasn't quite seen full light of day, but this is a very potent use for it uh, in everything. I think it's a lot stronger in multiplayer for sure. Uh, but I think it is a 1-1-1. One, one, one. Might see some play as a little like... Uh, poke thing in a normal deck or if there's a, ever becomes a full-on hand destruction thing i think this is going to be a very key piece of it yeah and um, it's one of those themes that for for crab it's like oh berserker one's berserker for cray it's probably like oh hand disruption one's a hand disruption deck the hand destruction deck i could say is the we're waiting for part two of it so we already have enough tools that i could go hey i'm gonna like make sure your hand is destroyed Okay, so now I've got no, you've got no hand, and I've got no hand because all my cards say get rid of your cards. So <laughs> now it's just a bunch of naked bodies running around. What do they do then? Yeah. yeah. Uh, once we figure out part two of that thing, which is probably going to be some flavor of dishonor, then it's going to start getting running. Yeah, it's kind of where Scorpion Mill has been. We're like, you build a Scorpion Mill deck, but what are you actually doing by building a mm -hmm. Scorpion Mill deck? Let's see, uh, moving along, uh, Dazzling Duelist, uh, two fate, two military, two uh, political, two glory, bougie duelist, action, 
During a conflict, initiate a military duel against a character your opponent controls of their choice. Resolve the duel. The controller of the duel's loser cannot claim rings during this conflict. Uh, people are kind of brushing this one off. I enjoy this one. Uh, Crane, like, it should be pretty obvious by now, but Crane have a number of options of, I don't necessarily want to win a duel. I just want to start a duel. So right off the bat, he just, like, react off the stronghold Akun Kikita to turn himself into a two for four four which is pretty impressive by itself you factor in things like proving grounds or some other things that just want to like start a duel maybe even uh Aijutsu master if we start getting an honor and or dishonor theme going on um I could see him pulling his weight yeah he's real interesting like a lot of times like you won't care if you win or lose the duel because it's a pretty like irrelevant duel um there may in fact be times where you're like ah i'm winning this battle on defense but i don't i want to attack this ring duel so that i lose and the ring bounces and i can attack it mm-hmm. so that like i think he's very playable brash samurai is a two cost four military that gets honor that's why he's put in the deck and with kaiden kikita this guy is two cost four four that gets put into decks like I, he seems reasonable to me. Yep. If you, He's if, also a duelist. If you have a if you have a little two two cost slot in your deck and stuff, he fits it there just fine. No no real war crimes being committed if you choose to uh, play him right there. Yeah. <laughs> or omit him. Uh, the last crane I want to talk about from Dynasty side is Masterpiece Painter. Uh, three fate, two military, four glory, one uh, or no four political, one glory, courtier. Support, another player may uh, help play this card's fate cost, which I don't think it's going to happen in a one-on-one fight. <laughs> uh, action, choose any number of players. Each of those players reveals the top card of their conflict deck. Until the end of the phase, each of those players may reve- uh, play their revealed card as if in their hand. So this is like a... This is a um, artisan Artist academy, academy that attacks you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the we uh, Again, with weird... Uh, niche crane sub themes we have this thing where we can reveal the top card of our deck and play it as if it's our hand which nonbo is really hard with any sort of like even if you like have aspirations of claiming the earth ring it just like starts interfering with this really fast uh that said this being already on a body i'm not wasting like artisan academy i've got to waste a dynasty slot for um the pillow book i've got to uh waste a a fate slot for this one is just a, a body that's just like hey two four one glory that's pretty solid for three costs um also get temporary gains uh hand advantage yeah i think it's worthwhile yeah put her in like, a deck the 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 body's solid Especially as Crane kind of moved more towards military and a lot of their characters. Having a 2-4 that is pseudo-card advantage mm-hmm. seems fine. Yep, yep, just wanted to mention it. Uh, let's see. Dragon. Uh, not much to talk about Dragon. It has a lot more to do with some of these cards are... I honestly... Because based on people having claimed rings, which in a one-on-one fight, not that reliable... But in a multiplayer thing, you can uh, 
it's a lot easier to claim and or make sure someone else claims a ring to get some some value out of these cards. The one thing I want to think I think is interesting in a single player thing is Alchemical Laboratory. Uh, it is a plus one holding laboratory. While you have claimed the fire ring, each attachment you control on another player's character gains ancestral. Um, now multiplayer. Obviously, this is, hey, Max, me and you, I want to do an alliance. I'm going to loan you a sword, and when your character dies, you just get my sword back. That's the intended mm -hmm. use. I'm wondering if there's uses where you can put a negative attachment on somebody and then get it back. Like, this is a good way to get your Cloud of, cloud of the Mind back. Not that Cloud of the Mind is a really meta-defining card like it used to be anymore, but things like that. Uh, I think... My question is, and I'm trying to go look it up right now, uh, does it actually work? Is the ring still claimed when their character dies, or do you put rings back for I have no idea. I didn't know before, and then they changed the rules. Now I double don't know. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Let's see. Because it's, but yeah, they changed the whole way the fate phase. Uh, no, not dual the fate phase. Uh... Fate phase begins. Discard characters with no fate. So returning rings is the last thing to happen. So it does work. Okay. Well, I'm glad. Other than that, that card, this card would be literally worthless. <laughs> yeah. Other than multiplayer. So, yeah, it can get you those back. Uh, if you wanted to play a weird poison deck out of Dragon, um, with like Scorpion poison attachments and. Uh, which would be ironic because Dragon's supposed to be the anti-poison deck. <laughs> yeah, and you can also put, like, Mark of Shame in there. Then this, like, gets you all those back to reuse again. So it, it could be doable. I know that one of my local, well, local, he's, you know, he, part of the, like, Port Huron group here in Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, he was playing a Dragon Poison deck for a little bit, and this card would fit very naturally in that deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um um, I don't think I can't. We can't see any lines that would make it like tier one play right now. But it's, I think it's got potential. I'd keep an yeah. eye on this one. Yep, it's always Dragon just has enough Shugenja to play Cloud the Mind naturally. So let's see. Moving on to Lion. Lion's got some got some gas here. These are interesting. Yeah. Uh, first one. Uh, this is the least least interesting one. But uh, Ikoma Message Runner, one f uh, fate for one military, one political, one glory courtier support uh, action for each player. Choose up to one face down card in that player's provinces. Turn each chosen card face up. Um, again, not overly powerful. I think it's got some potential. Uh, I'm interested in like playing. Uh, like if I put Raging Battleground on my stronghold and then I play this thing, I was just like. It's just a targeted kill at that point. Yeah. Uh, only only works once, but that's a pretty good thing to work once. Um, <laughs> it still has scouting potential. Uh, I think anything that, like, triggers on reveal or if there's something that, like, has a uh, board-wide effect that does, it just wants to be face-up, like a magistrate station, but in line, though, or something like that. Yeah, so... <laughs> I I could it tell by your by by your lack of thing. It's like, yep, it's it's neat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like at at worst, it's you know a one cost rally. Like, uh, we can move right along. Uh, battle aspirant, two fate, three military, zero political, two glory. Bushi reaction after this character is declared as an attacker in a military conflict. Choose a character in your opponent, your, your opponent controls without covert. 
The chosen character must be declared as a defender in this conflict, if able. So, uh, as a crane, Dungeon Challenger is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, this card seems like it has the potential to be insane. Uh, it is obviously weaker than Challenger in that uh, it can only do it in military. But yeah. for one less fate and in a clan that usually has overwhelming amounts of military, the ability to just be like, mm, yeah, no, I'm messing with your turn for two. Seems very reasonable. He also has very sick art, I'm just going to say. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, yeah I, I, I think he's very strong. Uh, very good. I like the, uh, the low cost is excellent for this weird swarm thing that line's not even doing anymore. But, you know, I'm wondering if as people like solve the tower meta, that lion swarm is going to come back because they're getting a lot of cool toys here for this stuff. Yeah. Um, like HMT is there. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's see. Medium of the living soul. Two fate, one military, two uh, political. I keep doing that. One glory, Shugenja, water, action. During conflict, choose a participating character. Until the end of the conflict, that character gains reaction. After you resolve a ring effect during a conflict in which this character is participating, remove one fate from this character, resolve that effect again. Um, it's a, a Shugenja that's not worthless, which already should be really great for a lion. Yeah. And it get like it does not have to itself participate in a battle. It just gives someone who is participating the ability to double dip on ring effects. That seems monstrously good. Yeah, and I think Lion can already potentially run stuff like Canson Haunt if they really wanted, um, mm -hmm. just because they have so much built-in honor gain to negate its downside. Um, it could be really interesting to see Lion go in on like, uh, yeah, I'm just resolving rings a lot, and I'm going to overwhelm you with them. There's also, um, if honor ever becomes a thing, the ability to double dip on the air ring becomes really yeah. massive in that kind of archetype, too. Yeah, I Tatori attack, air, trigger it three times, gain six. Yeah. <laughs> Meteor Living Soul. Everybody's Tatori now. Just goes to show you how bland Tatori is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I say as if Hotaro didn't have the exact same ability. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Bushi Adherent. Three fate, four military, two political, two glory. Bushi, support. A lot of support going around. Let's see. I guess that would make sense in the, <laughs> the set that <laughs> the support was introduced into. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, action. During conflict with this character is participating. Choose a participating character. Honor that character. Your opponent draws one card. Okay, so since he can honor himself with a simple action, he's basically three for six, four, which is pretty good. He gives your opponent one card, and this kind of like... So Max, as a top-tier player, what is the value of one card? Is these stats worth your opponent gaining one card advantage? It's something. It's a math equation I've never quite wrapped my head around. So it's a thing where one card is generally worth about, you know, one or two fate. It, you know, it's hard to say exactly, and it's probably worth about two to three-fourths is what I'm going to throw out there, because a lot of cards give generally that much. Okay. Um, and it'll really depend on what you're against, to if you can do this. If you're against, like, Scorpion, then it's entirely possible that he just reads action, mill the top card of their deck. Mm. 
because I can just draw a dishonor effect and point it at him and get rid of it. But like, that's probably good because then that card isn't being used to win them the game. It's being used to cancel your honor. Uh, if you're against a tower deck, it's kind of... they've If all their spyglasses are online, it reaches a point of, screw it, I just need force. Um, I can't wait to see him be used to say, hey, you're out of deck, please draw a card and lose five honor. <laughs> uh, I think he's very strong, but I think you really want to have a three glory character available to really feel confident in using his ability. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that. He doesn't just honor himself. He honors anyone on your f field. And I am intrigued in, again, with line honor. Uh, well, one, this guy turns can turn line into almost Crane. Of Crane have a huge advantage of, I can honor anyone of my guys whenever I want to. And just have, like, all my characters are just slightly better than everyone else. He can kind of do this for Lion. So now Lion needs to brush off their all their two glory fellows and see what they can get out of that. Yeah. I'd, I'd be very interested in seeing where, if they can make use of this guy. Because I think he does have a very high potential to just be overwhelming force. But he also has the potential to give your car opponent exactly the card they need to win the game. So it's a careful balancing act. Um, if you're swinging like the Earth Ring or something, then his effect is far easier to stomach, right? Um, yeah. I There... We have a local player for a while who's been was playing Hand Choke Lion. Yep. And be very interesting to see like a card like this in there and just be like, this is the Earth Ring. I'm going to get rid of the card anyway. Please just draw your card so I can get rid of it. Yep. Yeah. So, so aggressively fair, <laughs> I guess is the best way to put yeah. it. Yeah. But I still that think that describes uh, a lot of Lion cards. Yeah. I still think uh, three for six four is pretty. <laughs> That alone is worth the uh, price of admission, I think. But Yeah, and, and he threatens a lot. And the threat of what he does is always worth considering. Um, some cards, just the threat of what they do is worth not even if you don't trigger it. Okay. So. Moving along, Phoenix. Unfortunately, I can't think of a single Phoenix card worth mentioning. Uh, not just because we're lo looking for things in a single-player matchup, but also I think a lot of the cards are fairly niche, even in multiplayer. Again, I, I don't know what it is. It, like, it's based on like, claiming rings in certain orders and getting value from there. I have no idea if any of these things are really good. But they don't look particularly well. But, uh, yeah. Listeners, go ahead and check it out yourself. Tell me I'm wrong. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, like the expert interpreter... If you ignore his text box, uh, he's an okay cheap character, but he's not a Shugenja, so they probably don't want him right now. Yeah, I mean... Like, being a one-cost O2 courtier is fine. He's a, he's, a, he's a courtier scholar. If you're a courtier scholar, that means you're going into the, uh, the glory box Phoenix thing, and now his one glory is keeping him from doing any real damage. So I was like, what are you even doing yeah. here, buddy? Maybe some, somebody will play him because they're like, I like scholars in Phoenix and won't care that he's bad and that that deck is bad. So good on that person. <laughs> If yeah, you're listening, listeners, it could be you. I believe. Scholar's one of those keywords that like keeps showing up but doesn't actually do anything. So yeah. kind of like merchant. Yep. Um so we're gonna move on to Scorpion, which this wouldn't be Alpha Var if Scorpion wasn't getting a pile of really good options, right? Except the weird thing is they're getting a pile of really good 
dynasty options. Yeah, that's weird. Let's see. First up, uh, Shepherd of Visages, who looks like the uh, the faceless people from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. uh, one fate, one military, one glory. Uh, no, one political, one glory. Uh, Shugenja Air, action. During a conflict, choose a participating character. That character gets minus two glory until the end of the conflict. And, so, yeah. and with Scorpion throwing on dishonor tokens all over the place, this is essentially just target two, minus two on your stats whenever they want no, to. No, I mean, because minus two glory means your stats would get bigger because your glory number gets smaller. The dishonor doesn't affect you as much. Oh, you're right. I what, it, this what it backwards. does do is it negates opponent's honor. Okay. Well, this, this is... Mm, all right. Less oppressive than I thought it was. Uh, just because... So, Scorpion does not have enough glory on their characters for this to really matter. So, they don't really care about, like, reducing their own glory. Unless it's, like, Soju, who does get yeah. uh, decided sometimes. Um, and then, unless you, like, really hate Crane, which you already have a strong matchup against, there's not many people, like, maintaining uh, many honor tokens against you, so... Well, we, right. we just talked about Lion and their Bushido adherent and how they're getting more honor tools. Sure, but he's like, that's turning them into Crane light. That's, they're not putting out the numbers that we are. <laughs> yeah, but, like, as Scorpion has lost Mark of Shame and such, they, their ability to just throw out dishonor tokens on everyone is dropped. If you are struggling against honor in like a local meta or something, this character is fine to throw in. It's cheap. It it could effectively be up to like a one cost three three, depending on what you need, and that's very fine stats. I mean, it is a one 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 shigenja. That's nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, moving right along, uh, Shoshiro actor, two fate, zero military, zero political, zero glory. Actor Shidobi. Action. During a conflict in which this character is participating, choose a non-unique character you do not control. This character becomes a copy of that character until the end of the turn, or end of the conflict. So yeah, just copy your, your opponent's best uh, non-unique character. I think the worst thing to say about this character is, like, some clans have so many unique characters, they don't have too many non-uniques for the game. Yeah, uh, but very interesting, you know, the... Uh, What's their corset actress card? Is that uh, just Shoshiro actress? I know. Is that the name of it? I can't remember. Yeah, but that that card, um, like, is aggressively fine. Yeah, it is just Shoshiro actress. So now we have the Shoshiro actor. Um, like, she's she's playable. She doesn't see a play in a lot of current decks, but like, that doesn't. That's more because she doesn't fit in the current play style of Scorpion, but. Yeah. Well, there's also the the actress needed someone to be dead, and yeah. it'd be hard to find someone useful in the opponent's discard pile. Uh, this one should choose someone who's currently on the board, but you're still at the mercy of like what the what your best your opponent's best non unique is, which could be very fluctuating. Yeah. Uh, but not I I think he's absolutely fine. Like he he fits well into a more aggressive minded scorpion. Which yeah. currently just isn't their deck because backhanded compliment exists, but yeah, <laughs> maybe this other deck is so strong. Why would they go to a tier two deck? You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Vice proprietor. Two fate, one military, two political, one glory. Courtier merchant. Action during conflict, in which this character is participating, dishonor it. Choose an opponent. Then that opponent chooses a participating character you do not control. 
bow that character. So decide or two, bow somebody. Uh, this is really good in Cute and Bayushi. Yep. And against tower decks, if this character is in play, they can't swing with only one person, which is like a really big consideration because, like you said, it was a thing of they. You can overwhelm their straightens, and this is just another character that helps do that. Mm. So, yeah, it's a good card is good. Can't say too much more about it. <laughs> yeah. Seeing as how I like how it's like, oh, this it's got a cost of deciding your character, which in Scorpion ranges from being somewhere between a non-cost to an active buff in some situations. So yep. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah. Let's see. Yep. I, it's real solid. Master Whisperer. Three fate, two military, three political, one glory, courtier, support. Action. Choose a player. That player discards three cards from their hand and draws three cards. Um, favorite niece on crack. <laughs> yeah, I heard favorite niece was a good card. Yep. Making like so, you one of the strengths of Scorpion is you don't actually have to build a very good deck because you can just like filter out all the garbage at a certain point. <laughs> just get all the good cards whenever you want to. Um, but also pulls double duty because if you have an opponent who has a hand that they are like setting up a particular combo with, you can use this to just trash your opponent's hand. Yeah. And if you put them under enough pressure, especially if they're like a spyglass deck and they're drawing a bunch of cards, you mm. can very aggressively run them through their deck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Scorpion does also has that uh, sub-theme of I'm going to dishonor you by discarding your entire deck and making you lose the five honor bomb. So he fits in there pretty yeah. nicely, too. So, again, all positives, hard to say anything, you know, negative about these things. Like, yeah, the worst thing we said is Shepard of Vicious and Shishiro actor. They don't work amazingly all the time. So, yep. Once again, Scorpion is <laughs> remains Scorpion tier. Yep. Let's see. Moving along. Unicorn. Merchant of Curiosities. Let's see. Uh, one fate, one military, one political, one glory. Courtier Merchant, discard this card from, uh, discard a card from your hand. Each opponent may give you one honor uh, and discard a card from their hand. Each player who discarded the card this way draws one card. Okay, so favored niece, but more fair because your opponent gets to do it. Yep. Which is something that Unicorn could use, and more people other than Scorpion could use, so. Yeah. It's, it's Courtier Merchant. It's not Calvary, so. <laughs> Good. I guess a lot. I guess a lot of unicorns are just gonna discard it just for like not a cavalry. Well, yeet into the yeah. garbage with you, my friend. Yep. Uh, seems like an aggressively fair card. Is it too fair? Too fair to see play? I mean, uh, a one 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 is always like the unicorn doesn't have too, anything too uh, interesting in that spot, do they? I think right now, basically, in their cheap character slot, is the guy who gets bigger for each unicorn character. But, you know, they, if there were a deck built around, like, I need to see this specific card, then he's a lot better. And if they ever got a more toolboxy deck like Scorpion does, then the ability to cycle is a lot better. But right now, most of their cards all just read big red number. Yep. And I'm not sure there's value in getting one card that says big red number over another yeah. so okay it could be very interesting but i think the fact that we're not super excited about it says a whole lot about it <laughs> yeah 
next up, Waystation Trader. Uh, two fate, one military, two political, zero glory. Courier, Gaijin, Merchant, Limited. Uh, reaction. And keep it note with Limited, it's not just you can't play this one character. You can't play multiple. So if you play... What's that uh, in in duty of my lord and service of my lord? What's the one that makes everything cheap these days? Those who serve. Those who serve. Okay, that's completely wrong. <laughs> so if you play those who serve, you cannot get Waystation Trader on the cheap. Yeah. You can't play her at all. Actually, you can't get her at all. In fact, yeah. Uh, reaction after a province is revealed during a conflict in which this character is participating, choose a, uh, an opponent. Take one fate from that opponent. Uh, that's powerful. You know. Yes, I can see why it's limited. Yeah. I mean, taking one fate from me, you know. I like the, the take mechanic is such an interesting thing because, like, if I'm playing against you, you losing one fate is big. Me gaining one fate is also big. So it's it's a it's a massive swing there. This is the reason why, uh, you know, Goblin Snake keeps popping up in decks. Yep. And, I mean, it seems super playable. Um, the question is, is anyone going to play it because it's so aggressively poorly statted for what their decks do right now. I mean, once we get it, it does not have cavalry, so maybe the unicorns just ignore it outright, but I think but, they'd be foolish to do that. Yeah. Honestly, the, the ability, this money manipulation, I think it's so powerful, I think you'd, I think this is a staple card, honestly. Yeah, at the very least, anybody running Shinjo Shur, uh, Shono, right, Shinjo Shiro, uh, the the Shishi stronghold. <laughs> yeah, flexing shy guy. <laughs> no, we're there. It was on that uh, the the original unicorn box for the towers. The towers. <laughs> yeah, the box that everybody claimed was unplayable, but I was over here like one day. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here in my jink corner until new feature cards prove me right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let's take a look at some neutral cards. Uh, Sheikah Matchmaker from the much-loved Deer Clan. Uh, one fate, one military, one political, one glory. Shugenja, air, deer. Each card in your hand gains support. Okay, that ability is fairly worthless in a multiplayer game. I don't know why you can talk your opponent into paying cards to hurt them. That said, uh, a 1-1-1 Shugenja, uh, that's pretty useful for any deck that just needs Shugenja for whatever you need Shugenja for. Yeah. Uh, people have run me a Mystic just to have Shugenja. Like, if you want a Shugenja, it's real good. Mm. It al it allows Cloud the Mind to be way more splashable if you need. Like, it... That's a discussion. How valuable is Cloud the Mind these days? As I was just mentioning, like, uh, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's the game changer it used to be when the, when the card pool was smaller if i've got my biggest guy and you cloud him well then i've basically lost the game because my strongest leveraging tool is now gone now that we have such a diverse pool and i've got multiple characters who are offering like strong abilities a single cloud isn't doing that much to hurt me and i haven't really seen it popping up in too many games lately. yeah i think that you've seen it less and less especially because the game's gotten more aggressive which means that spending a fate to not progress your game state isn't as good as it once was. And a lot of the current top decks, like Lion Tower, Unicorn Tower, um, even realistically Krabbits, 
uh, may as well just be blank character. Mm. So it doesn't do anything in those matchups. It still can do a ton against like Scorpion and Phoenix and to an extent Crane because there's tons of relevant text over there. But it is kind of a thing of, well, if they're just going to have 8 million relevant effects, do I care? And the answer is maybe not anymore. Mm -hmm. That's about where I was at, so... Let's see. And finally, for Dynasty side, let's take a look at Venerable Fortune. Uh, three fate, three military, three political, one glory, monk, brotherhood, action. Return a ring from your claim pool that matches the element of a role of your role to the unclaimed ring pool. Gain two fate. Um, I was gonna ignore this one at all because, like, it's fairly fine with the stats. You know, monks mm -hmm. neat if you want to like start playing void fist or something which i've yeah. done you've seen me do <laughs> yes uh but the discard a, a single ring for two fate it's that seems too valuable to like completely scoff at you know yeah the main thing about it is that you he needs to be good if you're not doing it mm. because he needs one out of the five rings to work and that's that's a little conscript like constrictive if you mm. can make him work he's amazing um some and of the... if he makes his way into the draft pool he's undoubtedly one of the best three drops in that entire format oh sure um, some but... of the factions that play around with rings like dragon and uh phoenix um i think they'd get a lot of benefit out of them because they can manipulate rings and which ones get are getting chosen a lot so yeah. it might be a little bit better in there but uh <laughs> Again, not amazing, but just, like, not worthless enough for me to ignore. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i over here picturing, like, Scorpion Display of Powers, the Air Ring, gets Keepers, puts it back, gains their two fate back, swings the Air Ring. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, God, make it stop. <laughs> so in a Display of Power deck, it becomes much stronger, I think. Alrighty, so we're going to... And for the day, uh, Clan Wars has a lot of cards. So even if I take go through and like only mention uh, some of the cards I think are kind of interesting in there, it's still a lot of cards to deal with. So we're going to break this down into two episodes, and we're going to come back. Maybe I'll have Max with me. Maybe uh, Sar will re revive from the dead. He'll open up some more Black Scrolls to come back here and give me his expert opinions on these cards. Um but uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, final shout outs. M Mr. Williams, do you have any podcasts that you wish to shout out right now? Yeah, I would like to give a shout out to two podcasts. Uh, there is the great folks over at The Table is Yours that do fiction readings for all of the lore in this game that are getting very close to being caught up currently. I've never heard uh, of it. Yeah. They do great work. There's this one guy who reads for them that is just absolutely the best. Uh, you know, nobody can top him. Uh, I think he goes by uh, Max. <laughs> a great, great reader there. Uh, as well as, I would love to give a shout out to the Ninth Kami podcast. Uh, a podcast run by those of us who believe that Fu Lang is the true chosen one of the lands. Uh, and we're more a podcast that focuses on the community of the game than doing things like going into deep dives on cards like this. We we talk about the co-ties and some of the cards every now and again, but it's more about the community surrounding the game. 
and what we think can be done to improve it. That's that's what this podcast is for. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. <laughs> you didn't even tell me you were starting a podcast. This is how close we are. I thought I knew you, man. I thought yeah. I knew you. <laughs> uh, and I will say our most recent episode was talking about uh, community building at events and alternative prizes uh, given out by the community and how we're looking at, at the very least, we are going to be giving people incentives for playing uh, Shadowlands and Corrupted Decks at Gen Con, where the top player of each clan, who has a certain threshold of cards uh, that are Shadowlands or Maho, will earn special prizes from us at the Ninth Kami. Um, and if people want to look into that uh, and possibly offer further support for people, we're more than willing to discuss that. Maybe I'll get you a call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. And uh, everybody's welcome in the Spider Clan chat. We are the best clan chat by far. That we're, listen, I'm on Discord right now. I'm looking up and down. I see no Spider Clan chat. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> nope, nothing there. <laughs> Let's see. As for my new shots, I want to give a shout out to uh, our sister podcast, the Court Games RPG Podcast, hosted by Kikita Kaori and Kovar. Kovar, you know what? I don't think I've ever had a conversation with Kovar, ever. <laughs> I'm gonna go become that man's best friend. I need well, to that's learn more it. about him. We're inviting him onto the ninth comic. No, <laughs> curse you, Shadowlands. Uh, let's see. I invite everyone to check out uh, our Patreon, which goes to support this podcast, the sister podcast, the Discord, and the newly launched uh, website that Seabass has finally launched. Uh, let me go find out. Courtgamespod.com. Is that what it's called? Why don't I know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, I yeah. know it because I said it multiple times in my uh, <laughs> my conversation with him. That's uh, courtgamespod.com. Go to courtgamespod.com. One more time, that's courtgamespod.com. One of us is good at this. <laughs> yep, it's a podcast he's been working on for a little or it's not a podcast, it's a website that he's been working on for a little while. Uh it's got a lot of resources for the community. It's got a collection of the of uh, the fictions, a lot of the articles from uh Fantasy Flight and we are adding content to it uh pretty much every day right now as now that it's up and running. So, uh go check it out. Let us know what you think and we appreciate any and all feedback you can give it to us. Uh let's see. And Final shout out to the community for being very awesome, you know, and this podcast that talks about the community and supports them, unlike <laughs> some other ones. <laughs> well, that heard these slanderous rumors. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But, but yeah, let's wrap this up. So I got to go and build a deck for it so you can beat me up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I got to go build some decks for that too. <laughs> All right, so. Should be fun. Sayonara, everybody. Have a good one.